part one section seven of the maine woods by henry david thoreau this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part one katahdin section seven in the night i dreamed of trout fishing and when at length i awoke it seemed a fable that this painted fish swam there so near my couch and rose to our hooks the last evening and i doubted if i had not dreamed it all so i arose before dawn to test its truth while my companions were still sleeping there stood katahdin with distinct and cloudless outline in the moonlight and the rippling of the rapids was the only sound to break the stillness standing on the shore i once more cast my line into the stream and found the dream to be real and the fable true the speckled trout and silvery roach like flying fish sped swiftly through the moonlight air describing bright arcs on the dark side of katahdin until moonlight now fading into daylight brought satiety to my mind and the minds of my companions who had joined me by six o'clock having mounted our packs and a good blanketful of trout ready dressed and swung up such baggage and provision as we wished to leave behind upon the tops of saplings to be out of the reach of bears we started for the summit of the mountain distant as uncle george said the boatman called it about four miles but as i judged and as it proved nearer fourteen he had never been any nearer the mountain than this and there was not the slightest trace of man to guide us farther in this direction at first pushing a few rods up the Applejack nagasic or open land stream we fastened our bateau to a tree and travelled up the north side through burnt lands now partially overgrown with young aspens and other shrubbery but soon recrossing this stream where it was about fifty or sixty feet wide upon a jam of logs and rocks and you could cross it by this means almost anywhere we struck at once for the highest peak over a mile or more of comparatively open land still very gradually ascending the while here it fell to my lot as the oldest mountain climber to take the lead so scanning the woody side of the mountain which lay still at an indefinite distance stretched out some seven or eight miles in length before us we determined to steer directly for the base of the highest peak leaving a large slide by which as i have since learned some of our predecessors ascended on our left this course would lead us parallel to a dark seam in the forest which marked the bed of a torrent and over a slight spur which extended southward from the main mountain from whose bare summit we could get an outlook over the country and climb directly up the peak which would then be close at hand seen from this point a bare ridge at the extremity of the open land katahdin presented a different aspect from any mountain i have seen there being a greater proportion of naked rock rising abruptly from the forest and we looked up at this blue barrier as if it were some fragment of a wall which anciently bounded the earth in that direction setting the compass for a northeast course which was the bearing of the southern base of the highest peak we were soon buried in the woods we soon began to meet with traces of bears and moose and those of rabbits were everywhere visible the tracks of moose more or less recent to speak literally covered every square rod on the sides of the mountain and these animals are probably more numerous there now than ever before being driven into this wilderness from all sides by the settlements the track of a full-grown moose is like that of a cow or larger and of the young like that of a calf 
sometimes we found ourselves travelling in faint paths which they had made like cow paths in the woods only far more indistinct being rather openings affording imperfect vistas through the dense underwood than trodden paths and everywhere the twigs had been browsed by them clipped as smoothly as if by a knife the bark of trees was stripped up by them to the height of eight or nine feet in long narrow strips an inch wide still showing the distinct marks of their teeth we expected nothing less than to meet a herd of them every moment and our nimrod held his shooting-iron in readiness but we did not go out of our way to look for them and though numerous they are so wary that the unskilful hunter might range the forest a long time before he could get sight of one they are sometimes dangerous to encounter and will not turn out for the hunter but furiously rush upon him and trample him to death unless he is lucky enough to avoid them by dodging round a tree the largest are nearly as large as a horse and weigh sometimes one thousand pounds and it is said that they can step over a five-foot gate in their ordinary walk they are described as exceedingly awkward-looking animals with their long legs and short bodies making a ludicrous figure when in full run but making great headway nevertheless it seemed a mystery to us how they could thread these woods which required all our suppleness to accomplish climbing stooping and winding alternately they are said to drop their long and branching horns which usually spread five or six feet on their backs and make their way easily by the weight of their bodies our boatmen said but i know not with how much truth that their horns are apt to be gnawed away by vermin while they sleep their flesh which is more like beef than venison is common in bangor market we had proceeded on thus seven or eight miles till about noon with frequent pauses to refresh the weary ones crossing a considerable mountain stream which we conjectured to be Murch brook at whose mouth we had camped all the time in woods without having once seen the summit and rising very gradually when the boatmen beginning to despair a little and fearing that we were leaving the mountain on one side of us for they had not entire faith in the compass mccausland climbed a tree from the top of which he could see the peak when it appeared that we had not swerved from a right line the compass down below still ranging with his arm which pointed to the summit by the side of a cool mountain rill amid the woods where the water began to partake of the purity and transparency of the air we stopped to cook some of our fishes which we had brought thus far in order to save our hard bread and pork in the use of which we had put ourselves on short allowance we soon had a fire blazing and stood around it under the damp and sombre forest of firs and birches each with a sharpened stick three or four feet in length upon which he had spitted his trout or roach previously well gashed and salted our sticks radiating like the spokes of a wheel from one centre and each crowding his particular fish into the most desirable exposure not with the truest regard always to his neighbour's rights thus we regaled ourselves drinking meanwhile at the spring till one man's pack at least was considerably lightened when we again took up our line of march at length we reached an elevation sufficiently bare to afford a view of the summit still distant and blue almost as if retreating from us a torrent which proved to be the same we had crossed was seen tumbling down in front literally from out of the clouds but this glimpse at our whereabouts was soon lost and we were buried in the woods again the wood was chiefly yellow birch spruce fir mountain ash or round wood 
as the maine people call it and moosewood it was the worst kind of travelling sometimes like the densest scrub oak patches with us the cornell or bunchberries were very abundant as well as solomon's seal and mooseberries blueberries were distributed along our whole route and in one place the bushes were drooping with the weight of the fruit still as fresh as ever it was the seventh of september such patches afforded a grateful repast and served to bait the tired party forward when any lagged behind the cry of blueberries was most effectual to bring them up even at this elevation we passed through a moose yard formed by a large flat rock four or five rods square where they tread down the snow in winter at length fearing that if we held the direct course to the summit we should not find any water near our camping-ground we gradually swerved to the west till at four o'clock we struck again the torrent which i have mentioned and here in view of the summit the weary party decided to camp that night while my companions were seeking a suitable spot for this purpose i improved the little daylight that was left in climbing the mountain alone we were in a deep and narrow ravine sloping up to the clouds at an angle of nearly forty-five degrees and hemmed in by walls of rock which were at first covered with low trees then with impenetrable thickets of scraggy birches and spruce trees and with moss but at last bare of all vegetation but lichens and almost continually draped in clouds following up the course of the torrent which occupied this and i mean to lay some emphasis on this word up pulling myself up by the side of perpendicular falls of twenty or thirty feet by the roots of firs and birches and then perhaps walking a level rod or two in the thin stream for it took up the whole road ascending by huge steps as it were a giant stairway down which a river flowed i had soon cleared the trees and paused on the successive shelves to look back over the country the torrent was from fifteen to thirty feet wide without a tributary and seemingly not diminishing in breadth as i advanced but still it came rushing and roaring down with a copious tide over and amidst masses of bare rock from the very clouds as though a waterspout had just burst over the mountain leaving this at last i began to work my way scarcely less arduous than satan's anciently through chaos up the nearest though not the highest peak at first scrambling on all fours over the tops of ancient black spruce trees old as the flood from two to ten or twelve feet in height their tops flat and spreading and their foliage blue and nipped with cold as if for centuries they had ceased growing upward against the bleak sky the solid cold i walked some good rods erect upon the tops of these trees which were overgrown with moss and mountain cranberries it seemed that in the course of time they had filled up the intervals between the huge rocks and the cold wind had uniformly levelled all over here the principle of vegetation was hard put to it there was apparently a belt of this kind running quite round the mountain though perhaps nowhere so remarkable as here once slumping through i looked down ten feet into a dark and cavernous region and saw the stem of a spruce on whose top i stood as on a mass of coarse basket-work fully nine inches in diameter at the ground these holes were bears dens and the bears were even then at home this was the sort of garden i made my way over for an eighth of a mile at the risk it is true of treading on some of the plants not seeing any path through it certainly the most treacherous and poorest country i ever travelled 
nigh foundered on he fares treading the crude consistence half on foot half flying but nothing could exceed the toughness of the twigs not one snapped under my weight for they had slowly grown having slumped scrambled rolled bounced and walked by turns over the scraggy country i arrived upon a side hill or rather side mountain where rocks grey silent rocks were the flocks and herds that pastured chewing a rocky cud at sunset they looked at me with hard grey eyes without a bleat or a low this brought me to the skirt of a cloud and hounded my walk that night but i had already seen that main country when i turned about waving flowing rippling down below when i returned to my companions they had selected a camping-ground on the torrent's edge and were resting on the ground one was on the sick list rolled in a blanket on a damp shelf of rock it was a savage and dreary scenery enough so wildly rough that they looked long to find a level and open space for the tent we could not well camp higher for want of fuel and the trees here seemed so evergreen and sappy that we almost doubted if they would acknowledge the influence of fire but fire prevailed at last and blazed here too like a good citizen of the world even at this height we met with frequent traces of moose as well as of bears as here was no cedar we made our bed of coarser feathered spruce but at any rate the feathers were plucked from the live tree it was perhaps even a more grand and desolate place for a night's lodging than the summit would have been being in the neighbourhood of those wild trees and of the torrent some more aerial and finer spirited winds rushed and roared through the ravine all night from time to time arousing our fire and dispersing the embers about it was as if we lay in the very nest of a young whirlwind at midnight one of my bedfellows being startled in his dreams by the sudden blazing up to its top of a fir-tree whose green boughs were dried by the heat sprang up with a cry from his bed thinking the world on fire and drew the whole camp after him in the morning after whetting our appetite on some raw pork a wafer of hard bread and a dipper of condensed cloud or water-spout we all together began to make our way up the falls which i have described this time choosing the right hand or highest peak which was not the one i had approached before but soon my companions were lost to my sight behind the mountain ridge in my rear which still seemed ever retreating before me and i climbed alone over huge rocks loosely poised a mile or more still edging towards the clouds for though the day was clear elsewhere the summit was concealed by mist the mountain seemed a vast aggregation of loose rocks as if sometime it had rained rocks and they lay as they fell on the mountain sides nowhere fairly at rest but leaning on each other all rocking stones with cavities between but scarcely any soil or smoother shelf they were the raw materials of a planet dropped from an unseen quarry which the vast chemistry of nature would anon work up or work down into the smiling and verdant plains and valleys of earth this was an undone extremity of the globe as in lignite we see coal in the process of formation at length i entered within the skirts of the cloud which seemed forever drifting over the summit and yet would never be gone but was generated out of that pure air as fast as it flowed away and when a quarter of a mile farther i reached the summit of the ridge which those who have seen in clearer weather say is about five miles long and contains a thousand acres of table-land 
i was deep within the hostile ranks of clouds and all objects were obscured by them now the wind would blow me out a yard of clear sunlight wherein i stood then a grey dawning light was all it could accomplish the cloud-line ever rising and falling with the wind's intensity sometimes it seemed as if the summit would be cleared in a few moments and smile in sunshine but what was gained on one side was lost on another it was like sitting in a chimney and waiting for the smoke to blow away it was in fact a cloud factory these were the cloud-works and the wind turned them off done from the cool bare rocks occasionally when the windy columns broke into me i caught sight of a dark damp crag to the right or left the mist driving ceaselessly between it and me it reminded me of the creations of the old epic and dramatic poets of atlas vulcan the cyclops and prometheus such was caucasus and the rock where prometheus was bound aeschylus had no doubt visited such scenery as this it was vast titanic and such as man never inhabits some part of the beholder even some vital part seems to escape through the loose grating of his ribs as he ascends he is more lone than you can imagine there is less of substantial thought and fair understanding in him than in the plains where men inhabit his reason is dispersed and shadowy more thin and subtle like the air vast titanic inhuman nature has got him at disadvantage caught him alone and pilfers him of some of his divine faculty she does not smile on him as in the plains she seems to say sternly why came ye here before your time this ground is not prepared for you is it not enough that i smile in the valleys i have never made this soil for thy feet this air for thy breathing these rocks for thy neighbours i cannot pity nor fondle thee here but forever relentlessly drive thee hence to where i am kind why seek me where i have not called thee and then complain because you find me but a stepmother shouldst thou freeze or starve or shudder thy life away here is no shrine nor altar nor any access to my ear chaos and ancient night i come no spy with purpose to explore or to disturb the secrets of your realm but as my way lies through your spacious empire up to light End of Part 1, Section 7 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine